This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, just better everything. Real. The difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Agency Intelligence, where we give you real agents inside real agencies, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they try to make you believe out there. This, once again, is Jason Cass, and today I am here with Mr. Zach Simmons. This is going to be a good podcast because, just letting you know right off the bat, Zach has been in the business one year. He's a COVID newbie is what he is and uh, very similar to our boy um, Ryan Hanley who started his agency right before COVID you're going to hear Zach's story and how similar his is and we're going to hear about his story um, of what it's looked like for the last year so I welcome all you loyal listeners to agency intelligence it's going to be awesome now one thing I do want to say though before we get on is I want you to remember pod squad podsquad.fm go to podsquad.fm that used to be we got your podcast um, it is the same thing though you can we go to you we got your podcast but we are moving it over to pod squad we are now handling over 20 some shows I don't know if it's 23 or 21 or 25 but it's a lot I'm losing count and we're helping agents who want to create a niche inside inside their agency for their commercial lines business we haven't done any personal lines yet but we have done those who are trying to create a niche in their community and then we've also helped those who already have a niche who have said cast help me explode this and so that's what that's what pod squad does that's what that team does i got to tell you i'm part of the creativity and trying to give a little background and trying to fill out uh, and give my advice to these podcasters but it's the team pod squad led by sarah nicholas reza robin alex andrea they all put it together and they do an awesome job so be sure to check us out you can check us out at podsquad.fm podsquad.fm zach hey man how you doing How's it going, Jason? Happy to be here. I'm 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 happy to have you, man. Uh, you know, this is what I like about this, and the reason why we reached out or we are connecting happens to be the fact that you are a new young agent, right? Like you, exactly. you are, um, you know, something that when we use loyal listeners, I've never really said it before, but when we use the word, um, new agent, what we're young agent, what we're usually talking about is someone who is young, or we're talking about someone who is young in the business. So you can be what we consider at an association level or at other organizational levels. They say, if you've been in the business less than five years, that would be considered a young agent here. Zach is a young, young agent. <laughs> he qualifies for both of those. Um, and really excited to have you, man, and excited that uh, you were going to be able to share a couple things um, and kind of give us a little bit of insight. That's what I wanted for the agency owners that are out there, for the new ones that are, are like you who are brand new producers, for the agency owners out there who are looking for new producers for you. I thought having a conversation with you would really open up some eyes and 
maybe confirm things that some people know, but also open up their eyes to things that they didn't. So you excited, Zach? I am. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really excited. And, you know, the podcast you've been doing has helped a lot to, um, you know, just hear it from people that have been there, done that. Um, you know, in any industry, people that have been there and done that are, are kind of the way of the world. You know, there's, mm-hmm. um, I've had a lot of people in this industry tell me, you know, you know, you're going to study for your exam and that's how everything's done by the book. And then you're going to have to basically almost throw all that stuff out and learn from the guys and gals that have been in the business and actually are boots on the ground and have done this for a career. They're two totally different worlds. And, and that first year, I think, is a transition between what did you read and what do you see? What did you read and what did you see? I like that the transition between. So uh, already a little jump, uh, a little gym there, you know. Um, so, so, so Zach, um, before I get into it, uh, how long exactly? Uh, give me a little background. How long have you been in the business? Tell them when you started and the situation yeah. you told me. Yeah. So I, I actually started, um, I, I was born and raised in the Pittsburgh area. I went to school in Cleveland, was up there for a few years after school working for a startup and, um, you know, kind of got the, the word about the insurance industry in my ear from my, my fiance's mother, um, who did health benefits her whole career. And she kind of brought up the PNC side and said, you know, you should look into it. You know, you like doing sales. It's, it's uh it's it's a good career path if you want to kind of manage your own financial success. So that's really what tipped it for me. And as soon as I met someone that owned their own agency who I work for now, um, it was kind of one of those scenarios where, all right, wh- whatever this guy's doing, if he's, you know, selling popsicles on the beach, I'm gonna follow this guy. Like if there was just that charisma mm-hmm. about him that, you know, I knew I could learn. So you know, December, I think of 2019, you know, I started to started to, you know, look into things a little bit more seriously, started studying for my exam in like January and then said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take the, the jump and do this. So I took my test in, I think it was like the last week of February or first week of March when everything started to get really crazy in the country. And, you know, I, I was just telling uh, telling you that I was the second to last testing center to remain open uh, before the shutdown in the state of Pennsylvania. So took the test for the first time, passed, got through, uh, and I was on to my, my world in insurance. So I started around St. Patrick's Day of 2020 when everything kind of shut down. Okay. And so, you know, it's a, you know, if you remember loyal listeners, that's the story of Ryan Hanley too. He, uh, you know, he's been in the insurance business, but he started his agency. I think he said that he got his license approved, his business entity license, I think on March 7th or something like that. And then then the country like shut down. Poor guy and poor you, Zach. So Zach, dude, like here's the crazy thing. All right. First of all, I'm sorry. I asked you a question because I wanted to know when you started. You kind of went into your history there, which is fine, Zach. You're you're the guest. You can do what you want. But let me (laughs) ask you the three questions. iPhone or a droid user? I'm an iPhone. You're an iPhone. Wah, wah, wah. So we're going to have to change that immediately. No, I'm joking. (laughs) And what's the last app that you downloaded? The last app uh that's a good question let me see here i actually the last app i downloaded was the formula one app i'm a big formula one fan Um, oh you are yeah so i downloaded their their official app for uh it's a little little bit more in-depth than espn man you know what that's just a unique that just shows you're a unique individual i'm serious about that like (laughs) i'm serious like you don't run into a lot of people who are formula one 
like people, right? You just yeah. I've, I've, I've actually pretty- done it. I've actually competed in Formula One since high school. So our high school had like uh, you know you make Get the like here. box derby cars, the, the yes. real small ones. You put a CO2 yes. tank. Well, on a grander scale, there's a whole high school uh, circuit basically in the United States and worldwide for students to compete in teams of five for your high school and develop Formula One cars. So I, I've been doing it since like my high school days. I just I, I think it's insane wow. what those guys do. Yeah, it is absolutely insane. That's cool, man. That's cool. You like that adventure. You like that rush, huh? You yeah, like that? No doubt. No yeah, doubt. That- I'd love to drive one of them uh, down the road, but I'll take like a, a Porsche driving class or something like that. So mm. um, love you it, know, dude. anything I can get on a track would be awesome. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? I think uh, I, I, I've, you know, I've wrestled with this question a lot listening to your pod- podcast and I kind of analyze myself after every result. And I, I definitely, I hate to lose. Um, That's what you, you know, come there's, to, huh? you, you win and you're kind of on to the next win but you lose and the lose, the loss sticks with you, um, yep. you know, and you overanalyze the loss. So I think it's definitely the, the hate to lose for me. Right. Right. Uh, I, uh, I'm with you. It's uh, the win or learn, you know? Yeah. When you, when you try, when you, it's kind of like when you, when you work so hard at something and then you fail and there's a person watching you and they say, you know, if whether the, what they say is positive or negative, you don't want to hear it right. Then. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> right. it's like, but you never have that experience when you when you work really hard for something and you win. So um, sure. I, I really, really, really like that. So uh, skill or luck, what do you feel has been the biggest factor in your life that's got you to where you are right now? Um, I, I think it's I, I think it's always a hybrid of both. Um, I, I would like to say. I would like to credit myself with, with some skill of where I've gotten and, and what I've done, you know, thus far in my career and working in a, in a startup and helping start a business and go from, you know, a few different industries to end up where I'm at now. Um, but it definitely takes some some luck and, and, you know, putting yourself in situations to meet the right people at the right time, too. So um, I, I really think it is an even split. So you know what's fun? Go ask your significant other that question, or your girlfriend or fiance, whoever you have out there. Not talk, not you, but loyal listeners. Yeah. Go ask them that. It's interesting what they will say, right? Hmm. About you. Don't ask them yeah. about them. Ask them yeah, about yeah. you. Like, would you say that uh, luck or skill has gotten me to where I am today? Because I would say I think a lot of people, and this is this is unscientific, but a lot of people on the outside want to credit us more with our skills, but we kind of have that internal angel or that internal thing that has just kind of made things click for us in a lot of times sure. where it didn't make it click for somebody else. And we assume that or, or, or tie that to luck. So, but they don't see that, right? The outside people don't see that. And so, cause that's more of a feeling or a more of a, a coincidence mentally. You know, does that yeah, make sense? I mean, what's 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 the old saying? I forget who said it, but luck is just the crossroads of preparation and hard work. Yes. So I said that to Billy and Billy said, Jason, <laughs> that's right. Plus time management. Yeah, that's said, I, I'm seeing that that's a huge one in our industry. So yes, that coming is up on my first renewals and things like that. It's uh, oh. now the compound effect is, is starting to begin. 
so Zach, let's talk about that real quick. Okay, so here's what I thought was interesting when I was thinking about talking with you and and for loyal listeners behind the scenes, as I always try to do. Today is April 29th of 2001, and and Zach and I, I don't even know how many months ago, tried to do this, and we had huge internet issues, and then finally. We now have fixed it, you know, so here we are three months later. It's 2021. No, I'm joking. But now we got it settled down. And here's the question I was so curious to ask you, Zach, is that when you started off, besides the very basics, right, of understanding that insurance is a relationship, knowing your numbers and you have to call people and do different things and how to network Basically, everything that I had done for 20 years, that if I tried to explain the success of it to you, it was thrown out the door. Like you had as much experience selling in a world where everybody couldn't go out as much as I did. Right. And so how did you adapt to that? What were what were some of the strategies, whether they were successful a little bit or successful a lot, just be able to help people here and humble yourself to say, what are some of the strategies you used since you really couldn't use the experience of some of the those in the industry? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And I, I think it's um, I think in this industry, you definitely any sales position, really, you have to be willing to just kind of throw yourself in the fire. And, you know, the owner of our agency had a great analogy for me, like I'm, a, I'm a, you know, obviously the Formula One fan, I'm a huge sports nut. Um, so his analogy of like, hey, you're going to be a Hall of Famer in this in this industry, if you can bat 300, 400, like those are Hall of Fame baseball numbers, they're Hall of Fame numbers here, if you're winning 30, 40% of every prospect you go out and see, that's that's great. But that also means you need to be comfortable with losing 60, 70 percent of the time. So, that's right. you know, back to that question about does it does it is it the loss or the win that drives you? Yeah, that loss drives you. But you also got to be comfortable knowing that they're that you're going to have them like you're not going to hit every you know ball out of the park. So for me going into it, um, it's it's been a transition for me to be less of a perfectionist. And just kind of, you know, in our office, some of the older guys are like, you just got to go make a mess. Like, you got to go out, make a mess, throw stuff at the wall, see what works. Like, you can't overanalyze yourself in the first year and be like, all right, well, if I just tweak this a bit or if I just that's Mm -hmm. that's something I think you're afforded like 10, 15 years down the road when you've seen a lot of things and you've been through a lot. Um, So in the beginning, I think I just had to make myself willing to keep dialing the phone, keep saying the wrong thing, learn how to say the right thing. Um, and eventually, you know, those, those meetings came through and, you know, just sat with people and, and just being yourself, like you genuinely have to be yourself. And this is a very technical industry and you'll come up against customers in your first year that know about more about insurance, even though you're the insurance guy, but they, they know more about it because they're the business owner. So they know how it impacts their bottom line. They know how it can go wrong. They know what's missing, what's right. And, you know, I had a lot of honest conversations with business owners of, you know, help me help you work mm. through this. You know, I'll be the, I'll be the catalyst to get you the, the place mm. you need to be. Um, but a lot of those re- first relationships were established because of that honesty and, and just willingness to kind of to learn. And I, I think people genuinely, you know, you said I'm the young, young. Um, I think people genuinely, for the most part, do want to help younger people you know, Mm. in their career, when they're looking, when they, when you show that you're willing to put the work in, I think not only the people you work with, but the people that are your clients want to, want to help out. That's right, dude. It exudes from you. 
You don't even know about it. They say that between seven, eight, nine months of a pregnant woman that they accrete this thing that gives them this glow, but they don't know, right? It's that same kind of thing. You're a hard worker. You're, you remind a lot of business owners, you remind them of them. Right. Sure. When they were starting yeah. off with an idea and talking about their fiance and how excited they were about building everything, their empire. And I love, oh God, I, I literally can just cut this one part out and make a whole podcast about this. Help me help you. This is a problem I see today, and I'm going to paint a broad brushstroke with 35 mm -hmm. years and younger. They don't want to admit that they don't know something. They don't. Um, sure. What, what I think happens is, think about it this way. If I want to build a skyscraper, I have to dig a humongous hole in the ground. And I have to put pylons deep in the ground and create a footing that's unbelievably strong, right? Because we're going to build the skyscraper. Sure. You don't do that when you're building a house. You, 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 you lay a six-inch footing and then that's level and then you build the house on top of it. I think sometimes we don't realize that we're not building a skyscraper, so we don't need the pilings into the ground. What we need to do is we need to develop just what we're good at, stay small. This is how any family, this is how any relationship, this is how any life starts, and it's very similar. And I told this to my business partner the other day. I said, I feel as if everybody wants to they feel as if they want to build this little house on this big foundation. What does that mean? I feel as if people who don't in, in the younger generation, they want to know exactly everything before they go out there. And one of the mm -hmm. things that makes you successful is what you said. I'm willing to get out there. I'm going to throw my feet to the fire. I'm going to lose 60% of the time. And when I want to learn, I'm going to tell those people that I'm supposed to be the expert to, I'm going to humble myself and just say, Hey, I really don't know, but I'm telling you right now, I know insurance. And if you'll teach me your business, I'm going to be the greatest ever. And I'm sorry. I sorry to go on like that, but I, I, no, me and my no, business it's... partner were just talking about this and how this is. And so what do you think about any of that? Help me help you. I love that, Zach. Yeah. And it, look, it wasn't perfect for me out, out the gate either. You know, there was older producers in, in the agency that had to keep reminding me of, you know, don't, uh, and I'm very analytical. So it was hard for me because I'm a measure twice, cut once kind of person. Gotcha. And I had to throw that mentality out the window. You know, I, I really did have to go make a mess, you know, and it's, it's not, nothing's intentional, but you're not going to get anywhere if you, um, you know, if you hold yourself up by overanalyzing. So whether that's the relationship with underwriting or the relationship with the customer, because there's two sales there, you know, that, that took me a, a few months to learn. It's like, all right, mm -hmm. you are selling your underwriter as much as you're selling the customer. So, you know, there's, there's things that you do and you don't do at certain spots in the relationship and certain, um, you know, check marks that you get passed in a, in a quote or a proposal that, you know, learning all that little bits and pieces of nuance uh, has really helped over the first year. And I think those are the things I was so conscious about that once they become unconscious, it, it helps you be, become a better producer and focus on sales. So that's that was my biggest learning curve and, and still learning through it is, is how to uh, how to balance it and how to make both parties extremely confident in you. But you still don't know everything. 
That's right, you don't. And and you said that it wasn't intentional, but I tell you this, and I tell everybody, leadership is intentional. I have a producer right now that I'm training that like I'll listen to him on the phone and I can just tell the client that he's dealing with. I'm like, this is probably not somebody that he needs, but I have, I have taught him the filter, uh, you know, and we, what we do is, is, is we try to, this is the exception, right? This is the client that da, 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 da. Um, and so leadership has to allow you to fail at those things too. So, you know, they probably know that some of these things like, hey, I don't know if that's necessarily going to work. What we find out as leaders, though, is a lot of times, especially the creativity, especially with the younger, you guys have this uh, really unique ability to be able to um, express who you are in a way that's been different. So we have to be open to that. But I think that because you said it's not intentional and I think leadership is intentional. And I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to speak, Zach, sometimes when I'm just talking to you, but just talking to the loyal listener agency owners yeah. out there because they're having a real hard time connecting as we always have sometimes with the younger crowd. So good, good stuff. So your commercial line's driven mainly, right? That's true. Yeah. All right. And so you have any niches? Um, I mean, right now I've really enjoyed working with contractors. Um, that's, that's our agency kind of, so from landscape contractors to home builders, to electrical plumbing, uh, Artisans. the trades. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that class of business is really where I'd like to be. Cause I, I feel like I can make more of an impact from a safety perspective, from a risk advisory, for, like, you know, you talk about everybody always beats the drum of, you know, you have to add value. If you're just competing on price, you know, that's going to be a long, long career. Um, in that niche, I feel like there's an area to provide value, um, whether that's easier or I just maybe naturally, you know, understood it a little bit quicker. Mm. That's that's the place I've seen the most um, success. And I've, I've gotten a lot of feedback where business owners, most of the time, especially in like manufacturing. So we're, you know, Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, Erie, Cleveland. So we're, you know, that pseudo rust belt, if you will. Uh, there's a lot of manufacturing and small tool and die and machine shops in our area where uh, most owners, you know, really do want to help on safety. They really do want to have a solution. They don't want their experience mod at like a one three, you know, going up to a 2.0 and, and having people get hurt, but they're so small, they don't know what to do or how to do it. So that's where I found we can add like the most value. Zach, when um, you say they're so small, they don't know how to do it. What would be the premium range for a full auto or, you know, package plus work comp that you're referring to? Yeah. So for the full package, I'm talking, you know, like small market, uh, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand dollars in premium for the year. Uh, okay. you know, maybe, maybe they have a, a, a shop foreman slash engineer, you know, five to six front office folks and maybe 10, 15, 20 guys out on the floor and they're a small manufacturer of, of widgets. And that that mm -hmm. niche, I think, you know, we've, we've developed a solution inside of our agency called Integrated Risk Partners, where it's a full-time safety advisor, safety professional that uh, is bolted onto our agency. So we can work in tandem with some of the resources that our, our carriers provide us, but more so having that in-house to really almost like third party it for all of mm -hmm. our clients so that they can all get a piece. Cause that, that safety person, we find out some people have dabbled in it. They paid someone, you know, $70,000 a year, but they only work like three weeks out of the year when OSHA comes right. or when they need to do some safety checks. 
Um, so we've had a lot of success there uh, by by adding a you know a little bit of a different kind of sprinkle outside of just the you know quote the proposal and the insurance, helping people directly with safety and things like that. Yeah, and that's the difference right there because a lot of these uh, people that were out there before Zach and what I mean by the veteran agents, 55, 60, 65 years and older, um, they did a lot of the stuff that you and I do today. Uh, but they just kind of um, they just kind of got in a situation that I'll be in one day. It's that this client's been with me for 20, 25 years. Deep down inside, you know you're probably going to lose it at some point in time, but you maximize the the relationship the best way you can until the relationship becomes different than what you assumed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you are you AORing or BORing any um, any accounts? I not really. Um, not really. You know, I I've really focused. I mean, I, I'll certainly do it. It just hasn't come to a point where I've come across a lot of people that are with the same carriers that we represent. There might be a piece, you know, Mm -hmm. if I have solutions for four out of five lines in that fifth line, I can, I can BOR that I've done that, but you know, having not been in the business prior and having no insurance relationships, there isn't a whole lot for me to like drag from an old book and just say, Hey, let's BOR it to this agency because I'm here now. Um, You know, I've seen that done with other agents who have transitioned to our agency but that so let me give you an example let me give you an example okay so you you have this machine shop first of all in our agency ten thousand is the minimum premium we prospect so that's usually about seventy five thousand in in premium i'm sorry ten thousand in revenue is the minimum minimum we prospect do we write less than that yeah but prospect i actually have a prospect sure. list that's about seventy five thousand in premium so to write seventy five thousand to a hundred thousand we consider seventy five thousand to one hundred fifty thousand big fish seventy five thousand or a hundred thousand or more one hundred fifty thousand or more excuse me we consider that a whale mm-hmm. so seventy five to one hundred and fifty hundred and fifty and above so anyways Here's something to think about, though. When you're out there talking to those machine shops, there's two different ways. Uh, Like if you get in there to where you're not quoting and you're in there five or six months before and you're doing your safety analysis, you're doing your mod analysis and all that, that's the time to blow the agent out of the water because all the other agents aren't there. Also, if you have a carrier that's willing to work with you, you can also sometimes say, hey, listen, we're four months out. I recreated your mod for you. It's going up, but I got a carrier that if we do this, this, and this, and this, they're going to sub, they're going to give us so much credit that it's going to offset it. You know, there's different things you can do before um, and you and you really get them. But here's the deal. So I don't have those carriers. So that that's the two different methods. So we go in and I already have their carrier. So this is real easy to BOR or I don't have their carrier. What do I do? What you do is you get a commitment on all of your carriers and you what you do is you isolate that one. So you tell them, hey, this is the issues. We discussed it, blah, blah, blah. You agree. There's no way the agent's going to come in after doing the same thing for 10 years and have some big plan that's going to get you out of this. So here's all I ask. I respect your incumbent agent, allow them to get a renewal, but every other company out there, they're mine. And if Mm -hmm. I run into them and and the other agents already on it or something, or I'm going to get the AOR to get the quote. So then Charles Speck taught me this because then what it does is it allows you to isolate, but still use all of your own carriers. And you're really essentially not getting a BOR, 
but you it's okay if it's just you and the incumbent at the end you just don't want the four or five other agents that are in there trying to block the boat right, right. so that, that was something that was because in illinois it's the same thing we have so many regionals and stuff i'd be like dude i can't get the bor because like i don't have those carriers and then that was something that they kind of taught me that elevated my game when i run into that situation and no, you, anybody told you something similar no that's a great strategic tip i mean it's um you know there's I haven't run into any situations too, too often where, uh, you know, like one of our largest in-house carriers is Erie. So Erie, you can have two, uh, you can have two agents uh, prospecting and quoting at the same time. So that actually is just a little bit of a different scenario, unique. To that Erie. is absolutely different. You know? Yeah. So there's, there's that. And then, you know, the other carriers that we represent, I do have those conversations up front because I, I learned very early on to, you know, COA, uh, the, take a look at, all right, is the client aware of who they're quoting with? The other agents, if there are other agents, if you're the second or third one in the door, all right, who are they quoting with? Uh, what is what is their plan? Who are they going to go to? Are there some that I can get? You know, having that upfront conversation instead of just showing up and then you get that look on someone's face, well, why are you got a number from from travelers? You know, and then you're kind of sitting there after doing all that work and you could have asked a simple question up front. But what you're talking about, I, I do like because it's more strategic. You're taking control of the of the situation to actually change your environment, your competitive environment. Are you ready to transform the way your business communicates? Look no further than Lightspeed Voice the ultimate solution for insurance agencies seeking a seamless communication. I've used them for over eight years. I'm telling you what I'm reading is the truth. Picture this crystal clear calls, advanced features, unparalleled, flexible, tailored, just for you. That's Lightspeed Voice. Tired of drop calls and outdated systems? Lightspeed Voice has your back. Say goodbye to communication hiccups and hello to a new era of efficiency. I love that. Boost productivity with features like call recording, voice to email, and effortless call transfers. Work from the office, from home, or on the go. Lightspeed Voice keeps you connected wherever your business takes you. Don't worry about the transition. Our dedicated support and onboarding teams will guide you every step of the way. Make the switch to Lightspeed and join the ranks of satisfied insurance agency owners, like me, experiencing the power of seamless communication. Ready to elevate your agency? Visit lightspeedvoice.com or call 877.97-VOICE to schedule your free demo. Lightspeed Voice, we're more than just talk. Cast approved. Zach, you're very smart on the questions. So what I teach my producers are is there's questions that you don't feel comfortable asking that will get asked and will get answered. You are up to when that happens. Yeah, So absolutely. you can deliver the proposal and then they're going to tell you the answer to the question you never ask and you're going to go, oh my gosh, I didn't know they already had travelers, right? Just like you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's where that's where you kind of take it from a beginner to an intermediate is when, as you're saying, I'm willing to have these conversations up front. Like there's no reason for us to go forward if if we can't do that. Erie is a very unique one in in that in that point in time. So, yeah, you're, you're very right there. So in that initial conversation, the best thing that I could say, and I'm just trying to give you what, what I teach and what I do, I was literally teaching sure. this 30, 45 minutes ago, well, about an hour and a half ago, um, that you you. 
you you have to posi- it's about positioning so you have to position yourself as if you're there because they have a specific issue i'm not calling the people down the road i'm not calling over here i've done my homework you have a mod problem your other agent hasn't fixed it i'm the only person who can do it would you give me 15 minutes right at first sure. that's like that's different than hey can i give you a quote you know well we got great rates you know and they're doing all yeah. that crap you get in there you explain to them that they have a safety manager right now that they're paying forty thousand dollars a year or whatever the premium is right or the premium the commission times the premium that's what they're getting paid like that's what we tell them like you got an agent right now that's getting paid twenty seven thousand dollars and they should be doing it because here's what we find out we find out that you jim you probably measure productivity really really well um, you know exactly how many how many patients coming in or out or how many products you have coming in and out. You have a whole department dedicated to quality. Okay, that's very smart to do. But what we very rarely do is measure safety. And so instead of you hiring a safety manager, just understand that you're already paying someone $27,000. And it looks like from these loss runs that you gave me, someone's not measuring safety. So that's why I'm here. And, that, and then I want to explain to you also, I want to ask you a question. Do you like getting multiple quotes? Now I'm letting them talk in between this, but I'm getting through it. Do you like that? Every time they'll tell you, no, I actually hate it. It's the part of the job I hate. I got to deal with these agents. Okay. I'm looking at your policies and your current agents and independent. Instead of getting four quotes from four different agents, why are you getting four quotes from one agent? Well, you know, that's not the best way to do it. Well, you know what, to be honest with you, I don't know where this came from, but I've changed the game just by trying to think of you first. And did you know that whenever I try to get a quote, the first question that the the company's going to ask me is, are you the incumbent agent? And when I say no, that means I'm not going to get the best coverages. I'm not going to get the best price. And the reason is, is because most agencies have a 90 to 92% chance of keeping the business they have. And that means that if I'm not the incumbent, I have an 8% chance of getting this. So whenever sure. you have three and four agents come in, you're having three or four agents who will maybe be going to markets that would be better for you or now, but because they're not the incumbent. So that is something to think about. And then I have two other points that I hit on before then I wrap it up with, hey, give me this and this. I come back in two weeks, I ask for the BOR and we roll on. If they don't give me the BOR, that's fine. Because if I got to that point in time, they're already my client. They just don't rec- They just don't know it yet. Cause it's gonna maybe take another year or two for them to finally feel the uncomfortableness or the CEO finally finds out that the HR hasn't been letting me through. Ooh, sure. That's never a good situation. So anyways, those are some of the things it's all about. Uh, David Carruthers and Charles Speck taught me over Jason. It's about positioning. It's about positioning that they can't say no to you. You have facts. You're pulling back the curtain and allowing them to see things that other agents have hid from them. You know, and when you do that, you build an amount of trust that's immense to where all of a sudden there's you in this blue ocean and then all these agents over here in this red ocean fighting over the same piece of meat they've been fighting over forever, you know? So, and then, and, and I want to, I want to elaborate on that to the loyal listeners. Something I've talked about is, as I said to Billy the other day, I said, Billy, when I went golfing with him, I said, Billy, sometimes you make sales too much of a transaction. And I said, and, and it needs to be more relationship. And he said, Jason, that's the problem is agents don't know what the definition of a relationship is. A relationship is, did I professionally communicate with you? Number two is, did I offer you something 
that could have cause a consequence if to understand that you have a gap or a consequence in your life in a way it can be fixed and number three what are the consequences of you not taking the offer i'm giving you that works with your fiance that works with your best friend that works with your employees that works with your boss that works with your staff and it works with your clients and prospects as well because that's what agents can't understand when Cass or zach come in and pull out that bor they're thinking I've had been this agent for 25 years. We've got a close, we golf. That's not what they associate the relationship to be anymore. And so sure. when you position yourself in that head and start realizing that relationship is not what some of even your agency owners are teaching you what a net relationship is. Not that it's wrong. That's not what I'm here to say. I don't know your agency, but sometimes we have to kind of think that way. Any thoughts there, Zach? Yeah, no, I, th I think you make a good point. And there's, um, I, I think, there's uh two parts to that there's a relationship like you said uh, i golf with my guy blah 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 you know there's there's that personal relationship but what's the value in the relationship so if you can start to show value in a relationship by asking valuable questions or stating points of value for a business owner um you know they business owners can't get out of that mindset they eat mm -hmm. sleep and breathe it my, i came from a family that ran their own business my mom and dad ran a transportation company i watched work come home my whole life you know so right. they're constantly thinking about the business um so i think if you do you know that that stood out to me if i can ask or provide not even ask questions but provide data points that are of value to just show them transparency um you know a recent case with the landscaper that that i happened to win was you know just on that you know looking at some small details and giving them uh real life scenarios and explanations on stuff that's just a bunch of numbers on a on a deck page and yep. saying here's here's the real consequence of where you guys are at right now and um you know, something as small as just understanding building values and co-insurance. Like the, the owner of the business had no idea there was a penalty for a smaller claim because their buildings were undervalued. Different things of the work comp experience mod, where it had been in the past and where it was going. They didn't, you know, there was a lot of things that I think sometimes you can assume a business owner understands it because you see business owners that do, but there's business owners that really don't want to get in the weeds with what we do. And you got to help them see how it impacts them. Now, they don't want to get in the weeds for many reasons, but think about this because the weeds have always been the same weeds they've always hung out in. Sure. Like you get all these things. Every agent says they have more coverage. They're trying to cut the premium. You know what I mean? And, and no yeah. one wants to be involved in that. I wouldn't want to be involved in that. But that's you're right, Zach. And it's it's taking that person out of those weeds immediately right like sure. you don't have to be in those weeds you know um and so and that's uh it, it, we're in there three months before renewal the question i'm asking if i have to be in there at that point in time is so has your agent current agent talked to you about a renewal plan for a marketing strategy so like what, what do you mean by that well did they tell you what markets they're going to and do, they, do you get declinations from the companies do they he or she share them with you like, cause they say they're going to go out and get quotes. And a lot of times they come back with the same quote, which is fine. That happens in our agency too. But if we tell our client, we're going to go see these five customers, we're either going to deliver them five proposals, or we're going to show them the declination of why that is, you know, or mm -hmm. why that was. And so, sure. um, there's a lot of times we meet with our clients and they say, 
due to the market and what you've explained to me and the benchmarks you've shown me right now, we, we don't really need to quote. You know, we get that a lot with Erie. Erie has some pretty stable rates. So, so yeah, that's, this is, this is, uh, this is good stuff. I encourage you also, you, I think it was last year or maybe it was the su summer before the summer of sales where I had, uh, David Carruthers, Charles Speck. Um, and I am so sorry that I cannot remember his name right now. He is, he is a killer of this down in Austin, Texas. Oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. He has 100% BORs on all of his accounts. And I mean, his average wow. account's like six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars $700,000. It's freaking ridiculous. He's a beast. And he's the one who's kind of taught me that off these, off these podcasts. So, so Zach, anything else you want to share with us, dude? I think this has been pretty good. Anything specifically, maybe you thought that, uh, um, that we were going to talk about that we didn't. Yeah, no, I mean, I think for me, you know, um, asking the more experienced, uh, you know, agents out there. I'm, I'm just trying to get more creative and, and more uh, accessible to the next uh, opportunity. You know, a lot of what we're doing is, well, what I'm doing is, is cold prospecting. Like I said, I moved from a whole different market, you know, from Cleveland back to Pittsburgh, my hometown. Um, so it was even a, a, not only was it COVID, it was a total restart on my network and, and everything. So, um, you know, just, just maybe your thoughts on when you started out, and those cold call strategies, those networking strategies, now that the world's going back to normal, we can see people in person and put ourselves into groups. I think there's a lot of, hey, this is the way it's always been done, but maybe you have some things that are a little outside the box as far as getting that next cold introduction. So, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Um, you can't undervalue um, cold call. I'm mean, not cold calling and networking today. Still in today's in today's world, um, sure. they're two different mediums. Obviously, a network is more of an investment. As you know, cold calls ought they. It's, it's no one likes it, right? It's not the preferred method. But damn, if you need to set an appointment tomorrow, it's the only method. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It, it just really, really works. And um, I don't believe you always have to cold call. Um, maybe 10% of the time. Uh, I still cold call today. Now, the reason why I do it is, is because this is like, this is what I do. Now, remember we were talking about, I only have those 14 to 18 clients or um, excuse me, prospects, because if I can write three of them a year, I'd have more business than my agency can handle. You know, we could hire sure. a bunch more, but we, we're not looking for vast straight up growth. That's not what we're looking for. So so those were important. Um, I wish I would have had more of a targeted prospecting list. What does that mean? That means understanding who my client was. Like, I, who's my client? Anybody who pays less than $1,000 in revenue, right? So take that times 15%. I know that that's going to be uh, $7,500. So we got $7,500. I don't quote anybody less than $7,500 in premium, right? And then mm -hmm. after I do that for three or four months, then we're going to move that up to $2,500. I didn't know that. Well, what if we're in personal lines? Okay, you don't write anybody. What take your um, two autos in a home? What's the average premium? What's the average commission? I'm not writing anything less than that. Well, what if a motorcycle comes in? Well, it's a certain situation. Uh, something I learned now is called the, the, the it's a lie, a lie that we tell ourselves, which is the lie of this and that, which says that we have somebody who comes in, needs a motorcycle quote, or they come in and they just need their business auto done. And you say, hey, well, where's all your other accounts? And they say, oh, it's up the road with that other guy. And we start, we, number one, most of us don't ask questions as to what that is. But number two, we should, 
And when we ask questions, we find out that his or her brother is an owner of a large corporation, or they tell us if we quote this, then we will get that. And it's actually a big lie. A lot of times customers don't do that. A lot of agents like to say, oh, I've had that situation happen to me. Okay. Out of a hundred times you've heard it, five to 10 times it happened, but the other 90% it didn't happen. So I wish I would have understood that because I rode a lot of monoline motor motorcycles and then would chase the client or would get so busy prospecting, I would prospect something else. I also wish I understood that birds of a feather flock together and that's never more real than in who we are. You write a bad client, they will refer everybody to you because you did a good job. You write a great client, they'll maybe tell one out of every 50 when it comes up on the golf course. Right. So you sure. have to real. So, so sometimes that I want this cause maybe I can get that draws in service work that you don't want that prevents you from actually selling in the future. So I wish I would have known that I understand everybody needs to write anything that fogs a mirror. I get that. But understand you're trying to get out of that as quick as you can. And how you do it is you have a targeted prospecting list and that person who has one auto or whatever, one business auto, they'll come in the door and right now you're new. So you got to write them no matter if it's Zach or anybody listening to this, but understand that, okay, now that I got one of those, I need to go find five of these others that are on my target list because here in another year or so, I'm just going to tell that motorcycle, we have another part of our of our business or, Hey, we're either going to represent all of everything you have, or we represent nothing. You can't do that right now. You're trying to make a living, you know, sure. get that. Yeah. But it's how fast do you figure that out? Some agents never do. They never do Yeah. until five, 10 years later, they can't sell. And then they're being swamped with service, you know? So, yeah. so those yeah. are some of the things that, that, that I, 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 that I learned or that I wish I would have learned. Let me put it that way. Yeah, and I think the the last question I'd have for you, and you you spoke on it a little bit earlier, and I think it'd be good to circle back. Time management. Time management has become, you know, the the crux of um, success. So, especially in this business, as it compounds, and that's the beauty of it is it's a it's an annuity based, it's a compounding income, um, but that's also compounding work. So the service work, the the prospecting. As you go one, five, and ten years into this, what are some of your strategies in, in managing your time and making sure that you either are touching all the clients or there's the perception that you're touching all the clients? Time management. I wish I would have set my calendar and followed it better. Today, I do so many things rope, um, dealing with multiple companies and dealing still with the things I have to do internally. Um, sure. I wish I would have used my calendar more because I missed a lot of opportunities. I didn't schedule my time correctly. There's hundreds of hours of prospecting that I missed out on because I did not set my uh, set it on on my on my on my calendar. Another thing we do is we always set sometimes an hour. I've changed that to 20 minutes. So when I'm going to prospect, I'm going to do 20 minutes. And I can do anything for 20 minutes, right? I can, I can run I can run down the street for 20 minutes. It's going to kill me, but I could do it if I had to right now. So I try to make 20 minutes, and then when I prospect, I'm hammering out five, six, seven calls, warming up with a couple of them. I wish I would have follow, followed my calendar. Every freaking major professional athlete, anybody says that they have a calendar and they follow it. I wish I would have done that. That's something that I do today. Um, 
Uh, as far as strategies going forward, it's delegation. Um, but I'm at a different part than you, Zach, right? I was you, uh, I was you oh, shit, 18 years ago. There was no such thing as delegation. I was everything. You know, I was frontline underwriter. I was marketer. I was CSR. You know, I was everything. Um, I, I didn't realize, though, that I should have put some of that small stuff off. Once again, targeted prospecting list. Someone's not on it doesn't mean you tell them no. Another thing, you could form relationships with other agents. Hey, if somebody comes to you or if you have a brother or sister-in-law and they have a $300,000 account, let me have them. I'll send you everything that's under $5,000 in premium. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, those different types of things. Partnerships. Understanding the partnerships with my vendors. My vendors are going to give me the tools to success. Tools are a discipline. Technology, a discipline. Self-discipline, self or accountability, technology, and outsourcing. The four disciplines every agency has to have. So I need to have good partnerships with my outsourcing and with my with my vendors. My team, I understand that for me to get where I need, literally 80% of my investment has to be into my people. I realized very shortly, not very long ago, and I wish I would have learned this a long time ago, that job that Steve Jobs says, I don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. I hire smart people and they tell me what to do. I didn't get that. Now I get that. Now I, I haven't taken a pay raise in three years. Why? Because I'm trying to hire the best possible people that I can. They're smart and put them in a position and say, tell me how to make that part better. Right? Yeah. I didn't understand 100%. that. I didn't understand that. So these are some of the longevity things now, now sure. that, that you'll start getting into. And you're going to start hitting this delegate thing probably around two or three years in, usually if you're your own agency owner, that's about when you need to hire somebody. So you'll have the same thing in your agency and you're gonna have to form your team, right? Hey, let's right. get all on the same page. I know you do personal lines and you do this. I'm really gonna count on you so that I can put this off, still grow the agency, but I, I gotta do this. My prospecting list says that I gotta hit this much minimum premium, right. you know? Yeah, and being no, an that, analytics guy, you can predict your income, right? Hey, if I know that my minimum premium is $2,500 and I write 10 of these guys, I'm going to make $25,000, right? The agency is. You just know yeah, that. The, it makes it the math is simple in this game. The math is very simple. Very simple. And you know where <laughs> the math is really awesome? <laughs> it comes back around in 12 months. <laughs> yeah, no it's doubt. Freaking awesome. I mean, no you doubt. and your wife, what's your wife's name, Zach? Christina. Or it's uh, fiance, fiance, right? Fiance, yeah. August yeah. is the date, so. All right. August what? August 27th. Okay. All right. So, um, Kristen, Christina. Christina. Yeah. You, it, you guys know this because you've been around it and stuff, but for every young agent out there that maybe doesn't know this, and maybe Zach, you, you better thought of it this way. There is a value to what you're building for the future, not just your book. We can't put a value on the fact that if you're daughter or son decides to play five sports, you can be the coach of every one of them. Sure. If you decide yeah. not to be the coach, you're going to be a spectator that never misses it. doesn't matter if they pay at 10 in the morning or they run a track meet at 10 in the morning, or if it's six, six at night, there's nothing that can fill that type of thing. And then maybe you say, I don't want to have kids. That's not me. Well, then you're going to spend time and have relationships with friends and your significant other, your or whoever that is going to like, you, you just can't put 
the amount of time, the amount of traveling you're going to be able to do because you don't have kids, right? Whatever it is that would be able to do. But dude, uh, it's a great industry. It's one of the freaking awesome. And they just keep paying you every year, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that, that's what really struck, you know, when I sat down and had the very first conversation, uh, with the owner of my agency, uh, and having not known what the PNC world looked like, what the insurance world looked like. Um, I, I wish someone just told me sooner. That's the only thing I, I, uh, would say about the whole experience. Yeah. Dude, appreciate you coming on, Zach. This has been great. Last couple of questions, man. Uh, you know what they are. If uh, you and Christina, she's your boo, watching Hulu, spend your time watching Netflix, and get your kicks on Netflix, spend your time on Amazon Prime. What are you and Christina watching right now? Um, so we actually just uh, jumped into Yellowstone. So Ooh. been watching Yellowstone. We're in the first season. So we're a little bit behind uh, the rest of the world on Yellowstone, but that's an awesome show. Um, you know, it's uh, it's got a little bit of like Breaking Bad in Montana kind of vibe to it. It is. It does. That's a, that's a very good way to say it. Actually, it is. It is. It really is. Yeah, dude. So much good stuff out there right now, especially with COVID. Thank God it was so we could go. You know, because even at what we do, it working at such a high level, being so awesome, right? You got to met Zach. I mean, this is a lot of energy being this awesome that you, um, we, we, we sometimes forget that that's that's very very important to. Um, take time for ourselves. That's the damn truth. And leaders are readers and readers are leaders. You're a leader or an upcoming leader, which means you've got to be a reader. What are you reading? Yeah. So I actually have, uh, in my backpack right now, um, I've been reading the wedge. So the Ooh, wedge, Randy, Randy, yeah, Schwantz. That, that's, that's been helpful. Um, you know, it, it was suggested by a, a colleague in our, our agency because I, I had a scenario where we were ultra competitive. I didn't end up winning the deal, thought I was going to win the deal. And I, I got frustrated with the idea that I couldn't close the person when I had them in their, their happy state. They liked the number, they liked me, but they, out of a loyalty factor, they still wanted to give the incumbent an opportunity to meet with them. So I asked in our agency, how do I close that person and stop them? from meeting with the incumbent, meeting with the other agent. Um, so what you said earlier was really helpful about setting the table three months earlier to even stop some of that. Um, and then the wedge has been helpful with uh, just learning some talking points and some strategies to, to, to make that person commit before, you know, their plan is actually executed of, well, you know, we still want to meet with the incumbent. We still want to meet and get all of our numbers. So that's really what I've been trying to hone my skills on. When I'm there, how do I leave with a check? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that same thing. It's about separating yourself, you know. Well, how do I do that? And like I said, it's about positioning, dude. Really start to think about those that positioning and how that is. Do you listen to Power Producers podcast? I have a few times, not, not as religiously as uh, AI. You, you should listen to it just as religiously, especially specifically you. And the reason I say that is, is because you're commercial driven and you're trying and you're reading things like The Wedge. In my opinion, David teaches The Wedge new age and a lot cooler. 
It's a okay. lot easier. And, and and let me tell you personally, I have Randy Schwantz's cell phone number. I mean, him and I are personal friends. So I, I know him on a first name basis. Uh, he comes to a couple of our events if he's in the area. Um, awesome. daughters go to daughters go to Duke University. Yeah, very, very great, great guy. Um, seems sometimes sometimes he seems egotistical. He's only egotistical because he sees all these agents run the same rat race, right? And it's really, as Billy says, this is an easy business. It's really, really easy. Some other people that keep uh, is Brent Kelly. Probably already know of him, maybe from Sitkin's group. He's fantastic. Um, he's somebody that I think you should listen to. And I'm saying these because these are commercial-driven people that talk about the same things that sure. Randy does. Um, so anyways, but, uh, Zach, we've had a fantastic time, dude. I, I greatly appreciate it. Anything last minute you want to say closing up? No, this is great. I appreciate you having me on a uh, huge fan of it. Very helpful for, you know, uh, someone that's in my position and, you know, I look forward to keeping a close eye on everything you're doing moving forward. And, you know, uh, would love to maybe do a spot, maybe two or three years down the road here, do a follow-up, see, see what all's changed after year one. Absolutely will. And we're going to be having Mitch Gibson is going to be starting a podcast here. I'm trying to think of the name of it. He just told me the name. It's MVP. He played college baseball and he's going to relate sports tactics to things. And it's great because when I get around him, he's 20, he's 25. And so I see so much of him and myself and you, and it's like, or, or see me and him. And it's, um, you guys are just doing something different. And that's the reason why we wanted Mitch to have a podcast because he speaks to that to your age people you know what i mean yeah it, no, no, you know I've, you're not i'm not very what i said i've loved when he's been on yeah yeah i i don't i i don't i want to say i'm much older than you it's just we're in two separate different generations you know what i mean sure. you you were you were growing up and you're coming into this business with so many things that we didn't have i mean seriously man my first year probably year and a half i mean i had to like read a manual like, yeah. okay, if they have this many vehicles and it's this gross vehicle, take this times this, flip the manual. I mean, that's what that's what I was doing, right? You you can't even comprehend that stuff today. Yeah, you know, I like, was laughing that, you know, inside an Erie system, just, you know, I only had to do one garage keeper's policy on the old form that was like getting a magnifying glass out and things were written at an angle. And I'm like, where's the computer? You know, like, and they're like, this is how garage keeper's done. And they've, you know, they've changed that. So thank God I only had to do one of those on the old school yeah. form, but I was like, this is nuts. This is like, uh, this is like a treasure map. Man, the stuff they've come out with now though is good. They're, they're, it they're, is. When it comes to data, Erie has the best data on their agents. I mean, they really truly do. And I know that blows people away. They just don't work with other things well, but internally they work really, really well. We have every about a data you want to every piece of data you want um on our agency zach i appreciate your time I really do loyal no, listeners i hope i was yeah loyal listeners i hope i was able to give you uh yet more of that agency intelligence because i do what i do because i do it for you and today i gave you a real agent inside a real agency giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they try to make you believe out there this was Cass. he was zach and we are out Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. 
really. We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.